Hello, welcome to Embodied Vision, the podcast about eyesight and the role it plays in our holistic health and well-being. So I'm very pleased today to have with me Aileen Whiteford. Hello Aileen. Hi Anna. <laughs> um, Aileen uh, is my teacher, has been my teacher for many years. Um, and uh, she's a very experienced Bates Method vision teacher. How, how would you describe yourself? Do you want what sort of intro should we do? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure how how to describe myself at all because I kind of fell, as as you know, Anna. I fell, I fell into the Bates method, <laughs> and trained with Peter Mansfield many many years ago. Um, I was all already particularly interested in eyesight because of my own peculiar eyesight difficulty, um, and my work has always been hands on with people. So the the work just really spoke to me and I've carried on and learned more and developed more and literally over the years, it's been a lot of years, I've seen, I've worked with hundreds of of students, pupils, Mm -hmm. and still do. Mm -hmm. And you say you fell into this work, Um, can you tell us more about that story? Do you really want to hear that? Yeah, go on. <laughs> I was in Glasgow because I was working as a therapist in Glasgow. Uh-huh. On my way home, I went into one of the big Waterstones bookstores in Glasgow, um, just browsing, and tripped over a box of books that was being unpacked. And the books being unpacked was Peter Mansfield's book, The Bates Method. And it had an eye chart on the front of the cover, or I might not even have picked the book up because I didn't know who Peter Mansfield was, nor did I know what or who the Bates Method was. But on the front of Peter's first edition, there is an eye chart, and I'm very fond of that first edition still because it speaks to you right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you bought the book, and the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> yes. I probably, in those days, I was, my, my vision was, my reading vision was actually very good. I probably read most of the book on the way home in the train to Edinburgh. Spoke to you straight away. <laughs> so, Aileen, what is the Bates Method to you? Originally, I, I, I think I, I hoped it was going to be a lifeline regarding my vision. I didn't, all those years ago, I, I didn't really understand the oddity or the odd nature of my eyesight but then I kind of left my eyesight behind and got hugely interested in working with all the areas and working with people who wanted to improve their eyesight and in those early years I I was actually really very busy very energetic had a few clinics in Scotland and eventually one in London. So it's been a huge part of my life and I get very defensive about it because it means so very, very much to me. So so when you when you found the Bates method, you 
it's like you took it on and ran with it with with creating practices and teaching and and what was it about it that made it so special for you I think what made it I don't know what made it so special for me was it was it was a place I could go that wasn't about my own eyesight but I became incredibly curious about about eyesight and of course started with things like the refractive error, short sight, long sight, astigmatism, these kind of things. And then got much over over the years got much deeper into it because my my background was psychology and I was hugely interested not just in the eyesight of the people but interested in the people and what their eyesight was about for them and how they how they related to their eyesight. So I've heard you say a lot, I don't work with eyesight, I work with people um, and their eyesight, but, but there's very much this sense of working with people. And I, and I hear that again there when you're saying that you got interested in people and how they related to their eyesight. Um, yeah, can you say a bit more about that? I think... For me, anything about the body, the mind, and so on, is a whole person process. And I, my real drive is to put whatever the person brings to me, to put it in the context of that whole person and how it impacts their, their mind, their body, their life. So if somebody's coming to you uh, for with a vision difficulty and they just want you to fix their eyes, uh, what happens? It, it, I think to a certain extent it's a subtle process because, you know, the the theme is to fix their eyes and if they, if they, when I used to see people more than I do now because the online stuff has changed so much, but they would come into the, into the room and they would see that it's all about eyesight just simply by the charts on the wall, the pictures, the gear on the table. They knew it was about eyesight. And I think very quickly I learned that people without having to say directly, um, how I was working, people were interested in in the way I worked, that I was interested in them, which of course is very different from really what happens when they, they go for an eye test or to the hospital. Um, and my early memories from, I mean, apparently my first visit to the eye hospital was when I was six weeks old. And, and I remember, oh, for so, so many years, just feeling, I didn't have the language for it then, but feeling like a specimen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was paraded in front of students and mm-hmm. they all came in to look at my funny eyes. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned your, your eyesight a little bit. Um, do you want to just explain a little bit more rather than this, this calling them your funny eyes? There's more to it than that, isn't there? Well, that's... Something I didn't understand for many, many years, but apparently when I was 
when I was born, it, within hours, the and of course the baby's eyes are open right away. The somebody in the hospital said your baby's blind. Um, the baby wasn't blind actually, as you know, Anna. Um, but and I was there was no. I don't think my mother at that time had any diagnosis, but. Eventually, the condition was called nystagmus, it's congenital, and people were only really interested in looking at my eyes. Nobody was interested in, can they improve? Mm -hmm. And it was very hard in those very early years because um, everybody, you know, kind of said, you have to take care of Aileen, you know, she can't see, she can't this, she can't the next thing. And, you know, how does a, how does a wee girl say to somebody, fuck off? <laughs> I could now. <laughs> I see more, more than you know. But the, the biggest challenge for me was I got glasses when I think it was about four and I didn't know whether I had them on or off um, because they made no difference. And for all the years of my life, I, I visited hundreds of optometrists, opticians, thinking the next person will give me something, the next person will give me glasses that will help me see better. Mm -hmm. And for, well, I'm not going to say how many years, but my prescription today is the same as it was when I was about four years old. Mm -hmm. It never changed. So, and the glasses made no difference. I didn't know whether I had them on or off. So anything that's going on with your vision is not about refractive, a refractive condition or situation. It's something else. Yeah. 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 However, I can honestly say my work with my own eyesight and working with other people, my use of my eyes is immeasurably better and than it that, was. Excuse me, is that with... Method and vision education. It's with vision education, it's with more knowledge, with you know, understanding basically what the eyes do, how they work, mm -hmm. and so many of the um, Bates Method activities, by the way, not exercises, activities, mm -hmm. many of the Bates activities have made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And one person that I worked with who's not, strictly speaking, a Bates teacher. But I did a lot of work for quite a long time with, with Mir Schneider, working alongside him. He wasn't... I didn't go to him about my eyesight. I met him. But working with him um, was an education, another education in itself about how to use my eyes better. I've got an interesting story right from last night. I was I was online with an interview group from the Nystagmus Network mm -hmm. and there was a, a, a man in there who's recently been diagnosed with late onset Nystagmus mm -hmm. after a, a major heart attack and he was, he, he was saying he can't get any help from anybody because he can't see because the whole world is, is crazy for him mm -hmm. because two eyes are two different things and I was sitting there going help him. <laughs> I want to work with you. So I've taken his name uh -huh. and I will I will through the network if they I'll have to ask the network to get in touch with him if he wants. Yeah. But I thought, you know, it was it was interesting that um it's the nystagmus network and yet and maybe the maybe there will be other people out there who will offer him mm -hmm. 
you know, help with managing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's really important. Yeah. So maybe, um, maybe we could talk a bit about eyesight challenges, eyesight experiences, which are outside of the domain of the normal short sight, long sight stigmatism realm, maybe that. Then we did, um, we were at the, one of the British Natural Eyesight conferences that, that you and Margaret ran a number of years ago now. Uh, one of the themes for that was, was low vision and how, how vision education and Bates Method can really benefit um, people whose eyesight is, is categorised as low vision or as um, pathologies that are affecting vision. Um, would you like to talk a bit about that? It, it, it's a big area because what I, what I realised when, when we talk about low vision is because you and I, Anna, we get to meet people with low vision and we explore it with them and it's it's very much about how they use their vision because you know people are told well you're you're this you're that you're the next thing and and grow up with the belief that you know this is this is the only way to see mm-hmm. and yet when we start to teach people how to see better which is about how to use what they have better mm-hmm what a difference it makes, not just to, doesn't always make a difference to the quantity of the eyesight, but it makes a difference to the quality of how they see and the quality of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and you say that, the, the, the quality, but I think that often it is the quantity as well. I just, the, the story of just one of, one of my clients where including the blind eye, uh-huh. <coughs> Increased the actual acuity Ab- of the non-seeing eye. Absolutely, um, and and yeah. So it's and it's learning that which is amazing, Anna, because there's a big dismissal of the blind eye, mm-hmm. but it's then it just seems to me, and even from my first lesson, when you start to include both eyes, the quality and the quantity both increase. And the person's experience. And their experience, which is so, so important. Excuse me. And I think that just touches on that, that how how people's eyesight impacts their quality of life, their sense of self, their sense of who they are, and it just um, comes into the holistic... Um, understanding of eyesight or putting eyesight in that holistic context. I like what you just said about sense of self because I think that is is one of my it's a bugbear for me because and you might want to take this out I I get hypercritical um, when all I hear is you know people talking about ways to improve the eyesight and it's it's not it's just not as straightforward as that. It goes so much deeper, and I think in some ways that's why often um, pupils don't stay because they're not they're not feeling better. 
And it is a lot to do with when somebody feels better about themselves, it seems to follow that they, the, the eyesight is better because they're using their whole self better. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this deep link between how we see, how we feel, how we are, how we conduct ourselves, and um, changing eyesight changes all of that, and changing all of that changes eyesight, and I, 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 the, the being aware of that is part of the process of, of making it manageable, accessible, and making it stick. Yeah. And and people learning that, you know, that their eyes and their eyesight are part of their their whole being. And and helping people to work work with that and. I think one of the things I don't know where I picked this up, but seeing I find myself saying to people, you know, we need to you need to fall in love fall in love with your eyes. You know, give them names, you know, integrate them into your into your person. Um then you know, there's they're not just something that we use because it's practical. It's so so much more than that. So I'm just thinking about about maybe people listening and what who don't who you maybe done a little bit of vision work or don't really or who's, or people who are stuck yeah maybe if somebody's stuck with this work maybe they've done they've done a few lessons or they've seen some small improvements but then it's gone backwards again or they they, they kind of think it's possible but they can't find the time or. What would you say to to people like that? Sometimes they just disappear, yeah. and you don't get the chance to see it. But I think you know over the over the years, where I you know work with this idea of eyesight to insight, is is very much about people cut and they they we live in a culture where people want things quickly, mm-hmm. and they they want they want an instant. Cure. I think one of the things that's been most exciting over the years is working with people who've come with fairly high prescription and and gradually working that prescription down. Um, you know that they, you know, and I have people had people come to me and say, "You'll not be able to help me," but no, no, that's a chal- that's a challenge in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going out. Going out walking with people when they're first going to the reduced um, prescription glasses or the something called astigmatism, the astigmatism correction has been taken out or reduced, and just giving people the the support and the courage to look through the glasses as they are now, and then to move from there to um, you know walking outside with people. Who, Without their glasses, without their correction, mm-hmm. there's so much fear around um, for people being being without their glasses. And yeah, the 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 two words that really struck out to me there from what you just said were courage and fear, um, and that that this can be a really that that engaging in any vision journey, for want of a better phrase. Of, of of actually looking at your own eyesight, not just looking with it, 
looking <laughs> at it. Oh, that's good, Anne. Yeah. I like that. Um, <laughs> Is is a it's a it's a process of self inquiry, um, and and that's not necessarily an easy thing to do, and that it sounds like your role there is as support in that process. Would that be fair? Support and challenge. Indeed. Yeah. Support <laughs> and challenge. Yeah. Because I so often hear myself saying to people, "If you want, if you want to change your eyesight, then." you need to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Kind of that. Change my mind, yeah. Think, change how you think about things, mm-hmm. how you think about people, how you think about yourself. So that's a big word there that's just came in. It's a wee word, mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's huge in this vision world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think we don't have a many... Many people, for no, no, no reason really, don't differentiate between the brain and the mind. That you know the the transfer of the information goes to the brain, and then I like to say to people, and then the mind, the way we think about things, the mind does what it likes with it. So that's the idea. It's you know our brain's usually fine. But it's our, our mindset, what we've learned, what we've believed. And I, I know that so clearly for myself. Mm-hmm. And that you, like, changing your mind has helped your vision? Oh, yeah. well, I think even knowing I had a mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think over my lifetime, thank, you know, I'm so grateful. I've always had a mind of my own. But I didn't know what mind meant. That's a, a really interesting phrase, a mind, a mind of your own. Um, and I hadn't, um, I hadn't really thought about that in terms of the eyesight, but the, it, 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 it seems to feed into the concept of interest and engagement and needing to, that you, you need that point of interest, you know, that to, to engage with, with your eyesight and that, that you can't do that if you don't know your own mind. Um, you know, if you don't know what it is that interests you, what is it? What is your interest? And 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 often that, like that's the work is like mm-hmm. finding out for people what's where's the spark, mm-hmm. what's what's going to make you want to see, um, and um, yeah, that 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 uh, the the mind of your own it sort of adds a kind of spark of independence yeah. in there as well. That's a really important word, Anna. Spark, because it is a spark. And I think the people that experience the spark are the people that are most likely to stay with the process. Yeah, because that... Um... It's not a quick fix. And, you know, it's it's not running... And I, I suppose the impulse is to run away from the blur, which is the action for that for so, so many people, is to put put their put their glasses back on. And, you know, you say, well, stay without your glasses. Let's, you know, I think about being in, in a park in Edinburgh with a, a particular young woman. And I said, let's go and sit down and just make friends with the blur. Mm-hmm. And we sat there for ages and she was astounded at the increasing level of clarity. So, of course, relaxation, you know, letting go is such a big factor in this being grounded yeah, no, so you can't separate it from the the rest of the functions of the body. Yeah, 
so there's that's another another biggie come in there the the relaxation mm-hmm. as a concept and uh, the letting go yeah because um, that's letting go of the fear isn't it and so this the sort of simplicity and difficulty of that um, as a as a whole realm. But it, I, I love that what you were saying there is that as easy as just sitting on a park bench and noticing, but taking that time to sit on the park bench yeah. and notice, mm-hmm. and that in itself bringing the woman that you are with more and more clarity mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as you sat there. And that, 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 that um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's sort of, it's beautiful. It's simple. It's human. Um, and and she was astounded. But but, and she wouldn't have done it if you weren't there sitting with her. No, no. And I found very recently what I'm doing a lot more. Um, Bates method teaching online and. It's sometimes it's so hard, you know. But some of these same same words and ideas work in the moment, you know. To say to somebody, even on screen, okay, take a breath. Are your feet flat on the floor? Mm-hmm. Just put your hands on your thighs. Feel. Take another breath, and I'm kind of going yeah. <laughs> into the screen. And then when you when people become and you know this Anna, when people become more grounded, mm-hmm. they get change mm-hmm. at all kinds of levels. Mm-hmm. But a very common question, and you'll have experienced it from from your work. How long will it take? Oh, I don't know. How how old do you know? How long how long has it been around? <laughs> I really like working outside with people. Mm, yes. Outsiders, um, always there's so so many more things to look at, even in a fairly interesting room outside the scope of distance and you know difference in branches and birds and there's always something going on. It's never static outside. That's the point. Static. Everything's moving. Everything's moving outside. The clouds, the birds, the wind and the leaves and you can't get away from that. Yeah. I I think I remember early on in my training with with Peter and Margaret Montgomery at the time and it was Margaret that that talked about looking for colours and I thought this room is stupid. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean looking for colours and yet it's one of the things that I never forget mm-hmm. to include and never forget it for myself mm-hmm. and that's been one of the joys for my own insight, my own eyesight mm-hmm. because I notice so many things mm-hmm. that other people just don't see yeah. because I'm giving, you know, I'm I'm curious, I'm looking yeah. I'm moving No, and that that I think it's a really key point that, like, another key word, notice, and and I, I kind of have that same experience of, although my clarity may often not be as good as people around me in certain situations, I'll there's lots of things I notice. I always spot rainbows first. When a rainbow comes up, yeah. I'm always first to see them, uh, and. Uh, and, and and lots of other other kind of things about where people are, yeah. where things are oriented, um, and so um, 
yeah, although my chart vision is still unstable, sometimes there, sometimes not, um, there's there's a sort of, I have a kind of surety of, of other aspects that yeah. it's really, it's, it's mine. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, even my, my husband will say to me, how did you see that? Because I was looking. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see why it's endlessly fascinating and endlessly interesting you know and I sometimes get so itchy when I see somebody and I, oh, I just oh, I want to know more about like that mm-hmm. the man last night on the mm-hmm. on the the pod the thing I was I was tuned into I thought, yeah. You know, I could feel the energy in me going, oh, come on, we need to help this man. Yeah. yeah. He's helpable. Yeah. You know, he was feeling helpless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and expressing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it seems to me then that your work is very much about empowerment of people to do their own work. I think all branches of my work, because I work... I can't say I work solely as a psychotherapist or solely as a vision teacher because they're all they they inter interact with each other. You know, I, I had an interest in sitting with a with a young man. Just a just a I've I've seen him a few times, but one of the days I was sitting with him, I said, I "Didn't wear glasses." used his eyes really, looked like he was using his eyes really well. And I said to him, I've never asked you about your eyesight. Is it okay if I ask? He said, yeah, he says, I only see through one eye. Mm-hmm. But there was something intuitively in me. Mm-hmm. And then the the therapy just grew from there. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a mix of, well, let's think about, you know, let's not ignore the fact that You've got the other eye, and mm-hmm. and it, it was amazing to just start to work that way. But to yeah, it's, it it seems like you're on a, on an intersection there. Well, it's just it's it's work with a person, so mm-hmm. it's like a, a human work, but in terms of segmenting into disciplines that people might understand, there's a a kind of body psychotherapy, vision work, psychotherapy. It's 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 like an all it all links in um, into into one process, and and I think having experienced your work, um, that that's a, it's such a potent mix and a kind of essential um, essential mix of, of of ways of seeing mm-hmm. what you do. Because you know, Anna, how often we talk about posture, mm-hmm. but not in. Not in the usual way, it's just like, oh, just take a deep breath and just let your shoulders go. Oh, <laughs> can I do that? Yeah. And I think sometimes when people come for a vision lesson and then you start talking about their feet or their family, <laughs> it can, some, if people are used to working in that way, then they can slip into that. But if people aren't used to that, um, you holistic again using that. You've kind of way. got to tease them into it. Be, yeah. You know, I don't always go in cautiously enough, but I think I have a 
a real sense of when it's safe to and when it's not safe. And I think it's something about the teacher knowing self. You know, that you're not just going to bundle in there and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that, that, that I suppose touches on as well the individual nature of it and the difference of working one-to-ones and working in workshops. There's a huge difference one-to-one and working. But I, I love I love working in, in, in workshops. And that, that's one of the areas I think, I think you know, I, I can watch and know what's happening but the frustration frustrating thing for me in workshops Anna and I think you've seen it is I'll talk more to that person or what's going on across there or mm, that's really interesting mm-hmm. so I, I like that and I, I'm a people watcher as, mm-hmm. as limited as sometimes in some ways my vision my vision's not that limited mm-hmm. you know because I, I watch because I'd already, you know, because I noticed, because I saw it, I was looking. And you're interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I really, when you're like diving into, yeah, your kind of anecdotes about clients, there's always a sort of real spark of something there. Yeah, I, I was saying to John quite recently, if I could be bothered, I would quite like to, to write a lot of anecdotes, even from the nursing nursing days yeah, and things yeah. like that with you know like one was falling I, I don't know why but I fall upstairs more than I fall downstairs yeah. and in the in the hospital they had great big brown teapot and I fell up the stairs uh-huh. carrying the teapot of hot tea mm-hmm. and you can imagine it was on the floor below and the floor below that and <laughs> But they're in a different category. But that would have, on reflection now, that was, I, I, I was probably more paying attention to the teapot than I was to the steps. Yeah. Without knowing that I, in those days that I really had to pay, really pay attention to where I was walking and what I was looking at. It was, yeah, and, and that would probably wouldn't happen these days. Well, you would give a teapot to somebody else. I probably would. <laughs> Do that teapot up there for me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that um paying of attention. Uh-huh. Paying attention and, and the, the, when there's when there's something that's not obvious or not habitual or mm-hmm. that that is a, a vulnerability yeah. for us that, that that we do need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. In education, we had to write lesson plans. Of course, they never went according to plan. But I think once I started teaching in London with Margaret, and people would say, and you might remember this, um, what will we do? I said, well, you know what the person, find out what the person's bringing, and then you've got a whole box of of stuff to pick from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's having that structure and then when the structure goes wrong people get lost mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's a sort of stru- I suppose like a, with a lesson with a vision lesson there's the, that the, the like you're saying there that box of tools I can remember saying to somebody recently like what what is it you do as a vision teacher and so I say I've got a box of tools I can teach you how to use the tools, 
and I can support you to use them. And that's that's what I do. And I can maybe choose a different tool out of the box depending on how we're working. You and need what to I get think. that included somewhere in that because that's amazing. Just putting it that way. Yeah, no, it yeah. is. It's here. Because I'm not, I'm not, sh it, oh, yeah, it's on? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because no, that, that is so good because I, I think that's, um, I don't know if that's missing or not, but every lesson's different. Yeah. Because every person's different. No, every person's different. And the toolbox is pretty big. And so what, what tool it is you pull out is going to vary. But, um, you know, we all have our favourites. What's your favourite? What's my favourite tool? <laughs> um, out of the box. Um, uh, uh, ah, on the spot. I, I, I still, I still always palming is just so fundamental. It's just the palming. It's just nothing else can happen if that isn't working. So yeah, it's got to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's the, and and the same is true in my own practice, mm -hmm. yeah. and I mean my personal practice, not my not my professional. But you you found that early on, didn't you? Really early on. Yeah. I don't mean you learned palming, but you found that the the palming was so yeah. so fundamental. Yeah, and just yeah, so powerful and important. Sometimes you never take. It depends on the person. Sometimes I never take anything out of the box. Yeah, well, I don't even mean literally. <laughs> I know, but yeah. the box is, you know, the box is there, but sometimes I don't take anything out of the box. Uh -huh. So what so are you doing? I'll be palming, moving, mm -hmm. relax, a lot about relaxation. Mm -hmm. Let I talk more about letting go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like saying to people, okay, so you're sitting comfortably, where are your feet? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do much more of this online because I can't see mm -hmm. what they're doing with the, okay, just, you know, sit comfortably. Tell me how that feels. Where do you feel it? Mm -hmm. And and I think sometimes over the years, people I think, well, I came here to talk about my eyes, not how mm -hmm. how I feel. It's how you feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel so. I I feel sometimes I I've become very self indulgent. Though that's you know, it's like what about me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because pro you know probably like you as a four year old mm -hmm. uh, going to the hospital there wasn't you know for ages there was no me mm -hmm. I remember saying to I was actually on that program last night I said you know nobody ever asked me mm -hmm. what I could see people just assumed I wasn't seeing mm -hmm. and I think that that made me I think I was an angry I wasn't out, outburst of anger but I think I was always if I knew how, if I'd known how to swear, then I probably would have. Yeah, it's just you know, sort it's of layers like, of assumptions. Nobody you know, actually asking you. Off and leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, don't and don't tell me to hurry up. Not even now. Don't tell me to hurry up. Yeah. I just get that. Yeah. What do you think you are? Yeah. You know, it's like. And it just that it just sort of chimes with how we all see so differently. Mm -hmm. Even people with. Measuring on the chart a six six or a twenty twenty, they still 
it's so worthwhile and it's such a rich thing to mine of just finding out what how people are seeing, what they're seeing, what they pay attention to. Yeah. You know, is it colours? Is it texture? Is it the big picture to the sides? Are they noticing things in the corner of their eye? Are they reading details? Um, if, if there's things which are holding them back within that, that, that are kind of causing blur that doesn't need to be there or things that could be managed better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what all the tools in the toolbox do, like the... That, that, that help us get into something. And vision. your human input. Right. Okay. To facilitate. Okay. Because that, that's what we are. We're facilitators, aren't we, really? Yeah. That, that just seemed really important, what you just said there. So mm-hmm. the human input. Human. Um, mm-hmm. of, of the, the process of, of how those changes can be made. Yeah. Well, I think we'll... We need to wrap things up. I think so. Yeah. It's been um, lovely to see you again, as always. Hope you're not overwhelmed. (laughs) Thank you for uh, thank you for coming and doing this recording. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you got any last thoughts that you'd like to share about Bates Method and uh, all things vision education? The last thought I would I would share is all the amazing how many amazing people I've had the pleasure of working with either as my my pupils, my students or colleagues and there's a bit of me that's excited that you know we're much more in touch with what's around in the rest of the world as well but I would like to I would like to meet up with actually meet up with more of them yeah. you know if I was going to do another conference it would be very different it, not that there was anything wrong with what we did uh-huh. but it would be very very different it would be a hands on conference I would, uh-huh. I would you know it, uh, so we'd all work and see people working and yeah. talk about how that's what I, I miss is not having the opportunity to, to talk with other teachers enough yeah. about how we work mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. So yeah, lots more conferences and workshops and and sharing and mm-hmm. growing yeah. the work and, and and yeah, sharing our enthusiasm with it with, with each other and yeah. with new people. So thank you very much, Aileen. Thank you for thank you. thank you for doing this with me. I'm really yeah, I'm really honoured. Yeah, it's always an honour to have you. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. <laughs> bye. To find out more about Aileen and her work, go to aileenwhiteford.com or click the link in the episode notes. I'm Anna Bambridge and you can find more episodes and information about classes and workshops at embodied.vision. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.